or maybe I should have had you remain standing. I don't know. We're going to read some scripture this morning, and uh, I hope that you're enjoying the new service format, starting at 10 o'clock with Sunday school, and then we're having morning worship and preaching, and so we will end up somewhere around uh, 1.30 this afternoon. Amen. Some of you did catch that, and some of you did not. Amen. Praise God. (laughs) Well, I hope you had breakfast this morning. Amen. Amen. (laughs) If you want to turn your Bibles with me uh, to the book of Psalms, and I want to say thank you to Brother Winston for that wonderful Bible lesson this morning. Amen. And just to let you know and to repeat what we've already stated Brother Winston will be preaching or teaching every Sunday morning uh, on the month of January, and then it will transition in the month of February. It will be Brother Daryl Benge will be teaching, and then in the month of March, it will be Brother Prentice Moore will be teaching, and then we will, uh, to give these brethren lots of experience in teaching and preaching, we're going to transition back to Brother Winston in April and do that. So they will be teaching four uh, times uh, or four different months out of the year, once a quarter, and this will give them opportunity, and it will give them you an opportunity to hear a different voice, amen. We try to keep it fresh, and we try to keep uh, the vision and the revelation of the Lord not just from one person, but from the body of Jesus Christ, amen. And uh, we feel that that is healthy, and it gives uh, a, a fresh perspective and an understanding, uh, except We just had one, if we only had one speaker, one preacher, then uh, I'm afraid you might get a little bored, Uh, but we keep it fresh. Amen? The book of Psalms, Psalms 90, and this is a psalm that I often use uh, at uh, funerals, but uh, there's no funeral today, amen? Uh, And we're grateful for that, praise God. So Psalm verse 90, and we are going to read from verse 12. I I want to speak this morning, wisdom is justified of her children. Psalm 90 and verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts Unto wisdom. Teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may apply our, our hearts to wisdom. I want to give you an alternate translation. Teach us to realize the brevity, briefness, shortness of life. The wise don't mindlessly go through their days. Instead, they carefully consider how they will live them. Amen. Then turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter 11 or verse 19. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 19. It's good to hear those pages rattling. Man, means you brought your Bible. I know we have it many times on the overhead, but I 
hope that you. Verse 16 says, but whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, we have piped unto you and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he hath a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans. But wisdom is justified of her children. And then one more verse of Scripture, the book of James chapter 1, and we will read verse 5, the epistle or letter from James chapter 1, and we will read verse 5. James, that New Testament book that's... Several have called it the Proverbs of the New Testament. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Lord Jesus, today I ask you to Speak through our mouth, Lord, and give words of wisdom and prophecy to those who are here to hear. Give us understanding and let our hearts be open to receive that we might have wisdom to make the right decisions in the days to come. In this first Sunday of 2021 and the months that we will live in this year. I thank you, Lord, for your blessings right now upon your word and upon me and upon this people. We ask you, Jesus, this right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. I was meditating on New Year's Day. I got up early. Some of you probably were able to sleep late, but that's just not been afforded me at this time of my life. And uh, I never was a late sleeper, even when I was a teen or Someone said they slept into 11 and noon or whatever, and I just looked at him and shook my head and said, I just don't really understand that. Uh, just uh, the best part of the day, and let me say this is a personal um, thing, the best part of the day is between the hours about 4 o'clock in the morning and about 9 o'clock in the morning. That is the best, the best part of the day. Now, you might consider that the best part of the day is between noon and 3 or 3 and 6 or whatever. That's just an opinion. But I'm telling you, as far as I'm concerned, the best part of the day is about 4 o'clock to about 9 o'clock. And some people don't realize that the sun rises gradually. (laughs) They've never been up that early to see that it does rise gradually. You know, they've always been up and the sun was up, you know. uh, That's just uh, how it is. But... I'm glad that I, I, I wake up early every morning, and so I was up early on this New Year's Day, the first day of January, and uh, had my little New Testament out. I was just going through, and it's a quiet time. I like to get the Word of God and, and just kind of meditate. No one's calling me. No one's texting me. No one's talking to me, and uh, I, it's not I, I, that I don't like to talk, but sometimes I don't like to talk that much. And uh, I'm just alone with the Lord in my thoughts. And so I was looking at the scripture and and something that Brother Josh Quarren had said to me 
the night before we had gone out to eat and at celebrating the New Year's and, and I had showed him this new translation in the Bible that I got that just has uh, Luke and Acts and, and he just was flipping through and he noticed just in the notes that the name Cleopas is one of the individuals that was on the road to, to Emmaus and that Cleophas is a Hebrew name that is a feminine Hebrew name. I always considered these two individuals that were on the road to Emmaus as being male. And so this was a revelation to me. And I, I kind of got excited. I'm thinking, hey, this, there is something new and fresh here in the Scripture. You know, if you kind of just dig a little deeper in the Scripture... God will meet you and give you revelation. And so I, I got so excited that I sent this out. Uh, I typed up and sent this out to several people. And, and uh, they, uh, some, I guess, uh, were not so happy. They said, that's a long text. And, uh, and uh, others were happy. So, uh, however, I just sent it and, and there it was. But I got so excited about the word of the Lord and how much it means to me and the insight that I received. So these two individuals are on the road to Emmaus and, and Emmaus means burning place because there's a hot springs there and, and uh, Jesus has just been crucified and he's in the grave and, and uh, they heard a rumor that Peter and John and a woman named Mary Magdalene had seen Jesus but it was hard to believe because they were there at the cross and they saw the destruction on the body of Jesus and they saw how a crown of thorns was placed on his head and how the pool of blood that pooled up on that hard ground below the cross and as he was barely able to breathe and, and uh, he blurrily looked out at the scene and if you read the book of John, he sees finally his mother and he says to his mother and to this disciple that Bible says and John said it about himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And that's John. And he sees John and he sees his mother. And he knows that his mother is going to be all alone without him because he is the oldest child that is responsible to take care of his mother. There is no Social Security. There is no Medicare. There is nothing of that sort in those days. The Social Security was your oldest son, was your children, was the children that you raised up. They were to take care of you in your old age and he's hanging on the cross and he knows that's an impossibility now but he still has this responsibility in his mind he was not so spiritual that he forgot about the important things of this life someone said amen he was not so selfish in his pain and agony at that moment uh, that he forgot about his filial duty, his, the, the piety of, of taking care of his parents. His father, we su suspect, has already been passed many years, but his mother is still there. She's viewing from afar because Jesus' body envisions, envisions he was completely nude and he had been beaten uh, beyond death and his body was bloody and torn and they they had ripped the beard out of his face. They had pressed a crown of thorns which contained a toxin that caused his head to swell. And he was depleted of a lot of blood. So he was not clearly thinking. And, and he was uh, his sight was blurry. But he had 
clarity enough, he said to the woman that, that was at the cross and his, this disciple who was perhaps closer than any other disciple in the, all the disciples that he had chosen. His name was John. He was probably closer than any other at the bottom of the cross. And he looked at John and he looked at his mother and he said clearly, he said, Mother, behold thy son. I can no longer be your son. I'm no longer here to help you. I, I will be gone, but I'm giving you to my best friend. And my best friend, I'm looking at you. Behold your mother. I'm taking care of things. We have to make the right decision as Jesus did. This is 2021. We've got to make decisions with great wisdom and great clarity. We cannot be individuals that are recklessly forgetting our responsibility and duty. You won't always be 25. I was 25 once and I thought I was going to live forever. But I'm 59 now and I'll be 60 next this year. I'm realizing that my life is coming to an end. But I didn't even have, I don't even have that guaranteed. You see, we're three score years and ten by law and longer by reason of strength. But we have to realize that God has placed within us a great power, a great anointing, a great vision. That we must do the things that we do with finality, with vision and clarity. Amen. Someone would say amen. I don't want to get going so fast that I forget some of the things I, I want to say to you. And this morning we read these verses of Scripture about wisdom and great wisdom. And so, as I said yesterday, or uh, uh, Thursday morning, or, uh, I, I was up early. And I was up early this morning and looking at the Scripture. I had been thinking about this for several days. And this has been weighing on my mind for several months. And I'm thinking about making the right decision and and uh, I, I told the Lord today, I said, Lord, I don't want to make pipe dream decisions. Uh, that word, that phrase comes from the 19th century in England. And pipe dream is the visions that you would have when you smoked an opium pipe. And your, your mind would, be, would take off under the influence of this narcotic and you would think uh, perhaps that when you're under that influence that you were going to be the emperor of the world or you were going to do some other fantastical thing. And, and so we have this term pipe dream. In other words, uh, it's not a reality. It will never come to pass. It's not going to happen. Uh, it, it's, it's just a pipe dream. It's something that's a figment uh, that, that has been influenced uh, of your imagination that has been influenced by an outside source. Uh, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't want my dreams and visions and the wisdom that I have to be of this world. I don't want it to be a pipe dream. I want this wisdom that you have, Lord. I want my mind to have understanding. And we read the book of James, the first chapter in the fifth fifth verse if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of God and he will give who gives all things freely we heard the story and the lesson this morning that if you have committed sin that if you have gone out into the world and done things and enjoyed the pleasures of this world that there is a judgment but we have a hope in Jesus Christ that Jesus will restore that Jesus will raise us up that Jesus is 
quick to forgive. He's quick to give you gifts. He's quick to help you. He's quick to lift you up and place you in situations that you never even dreamed that you could be in. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in that same verse uh, that he is what? He giveth to all. God gives to everyone. And you say, well, pastor, you don't know where I've been and you don't know what I've done. Perhaps I don't and, and I don't want you to tell me either. I, I don't need to have all that information in my head. There's enough there that I have to deal with already. But God knows everything that you've done. He knows everything that you've said. He knows every place that you've gone, whether it was good, indifferent, or evil. He knows everything. But when you place your hand in His hand, when you say, God, I'm in your control God I will submit to you and that's the most important thing that you can do is submit to the will of the Lord he giveth to all liberally 90th Psalm the writer there says consider your days consider your days consider them well we don't, we're not as unbelievers who carelessly live, go through life. You know, TGIF means thank God it's Friday. Some people, that's all they live for, for a party for every weekend. I want you to know that we as believers have a much bigger vision. I'm not just looking at Saturday and Sunday and what I can do and then a drudgery of going back to work on Monday. Hey, brothers and sisters, it's more than that. It's more than just the... the the, the common everyday things of this world but my eyes are fixed on something bigger I want to do something more with my life with the time remaining that I have I don't want to sit in a rocking chair and just twiddle my thumbs and fold my hands and say well I guess it's all over for me so the other day I got excited about this I don't know what you think of Colonel Harlan Sanders Sanders you might not think very well of him but he was 65 years of age when he started Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, he had a little restaurant, a burger joint, uh, and uh, I-75 was going right by, uh, and it was going to uh, be a little further out, and so his little restaurant was going to lose all its business. Uh, and so instead of folding up, instead of saying, well, I tried and I failed, uh, he, decided, he decided I have a secret recipe. Now, I don't know where he got the recipe. He never divulges where he got He might have made it up himself. He might have been handed down through generations, but he had the secret recipe. And so he said, I've got a secret recipe. I've got something that not very many people have. Do you have something that not very many people have? You're here for such a time as this. I don't know, Sister Debbie, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I believe our vice president is here for such a time as this. January 6th is coming up, and I'm not going to get too very political today. But you see, you might, he might have lived his whole life for, for just this one day. God might just let you have the life that you live for one time, one day in your life, because it's a very important day. It's an incredibly important day that will affect, affect the lives of millions and perhaps billions of people in this world. The life that you live today is not just frivolous. 
We're not just aimlessly going through life, but God has given you breath in your body. He's given you strength and health so that you can do something important with the life that you have. Wisdom is justified of her children. And Jesus is saying this colloquialism, this Hebrew idiom, if you will, that the decision, I sent you John, he came and he fasted all the time and he was an ascetic. He was, lived very severe. The scripture says he, he wore camel's hair. Uh, that perhaps he had killed the animal himself and skinned it and made his own clothes. The Bible says he ate locusts. Not a dinner that I'm thinking about. He ate locusts and he gathered wild honey. He found where there were places, the wild honey. So here's a man who lives very primitive. He's very bold. He's very loud. He's very in your, plate, in your face. And Jesus said of the men born of women, there's not one that born like John the Baptist. He was the most powerful preacher. Jesus himself said that. The most powerful preacher that you could ever hear with your common human ear this was John the Baptist. The Bible says that he did no miracles, but people came from all over the countryside just to hear him preach. That was the power and the charisma of his voice. And they, forget, they looked beyond that rough clothing. They looked be, when he opened his mouth and started speaking. It didn't matter what he ate for dinner uh, and what he had for lunch. Uh, and it didn't matter what he had on. Uh, but the words he spoke, they were powerful. And it caused people to shudder inside them. It caused people to fall on their knees and repent. It caused people to come from all over Israel. And, and the Bible says he looked and he saw the Pharisees. Pharisees coming. Uh, these people who had the key, uh, the knowledge, the ability uh, to show people the way, but they would hold to themselves. Uh, and he, 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 uh, he saw them coming. He said, what are you coming down here for? Uh, unless you show fruits uh, of repentance, uh, go back and do what you know you need to do. Uh, God is calling us today uh, not to live in fear, uh, not to encircle ourselves uh, with walls uh, that insulate us from the world, uh, but he is calling us today uh, to get rid of the fear. That's why you've been hiding out. That's why you've been in, in, encapsulated yourself in the walls of doubt and fear and unbelief. You're afraid, but I'm here to tell you that the power of the Holy Ghost that God will overcome in your life. He'll overcome in your life. Say, I'm an overcomer through all things that Jesus has done in me. Somebody shout Amen. I say that to someone. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. I'll tell you what the reason is. You've been living in fear. You've been hiding out. You've been, this is your little modus operandi. When you overcome that, when you get beyond yourself, when you surrender to God, God can do great things. I see that in so many people. I see the, the ability. I see the greatness. I see what God wants to do in their lives. But they refuse to look beyond. They Every now and again, they look beyond the parapet of their confinement. And, and so they wonder what's out there. They wonder what it would be like to be free. 
They wonder what it would be like uh, to, uh, to make decisions uh, that would be godly. Uh, decisions that would cause them uh, to soar into the heavens. Uh, but yet they remain uh, confined. They remain shackled to that place. Uh, I want you to know uh, I don't really like being shackled. Uh, I don't like being confined to one place. Uh, I like the ability to get out and get beyond. Uh, if we will see in the spirit what God wants to do for us. Uh, what he wants to do through us. Uh, somebody shout amen. Somebody get excited because God's in our heart. God has given us power. I'm not giving up until I draw my last breath and say, Lord Jesus, my soul is in your hands. Well, I know I'm not. My body tells me I'm not 25 anymore. Amen. And my brain, you know, I have to tell my brain, wait a minute, you can't do that, you know. I used to jump out of the back of pickup trucks. But now I climb gingerly out. The old knees ain't like they used to be, amen. And I, I want to keep them that way. I'm Meaning I want to keep them working. <laughs> I don't want to find myself in a hospital room saying, well, I guess I need surgery on the old knees now. No, I'm just gonna I'm gonna protect them all as I, as well as much as I can. But you know what? That's not gonna hinder me. I'm gonna keep on going forward. I made some adjustments, but the adjustments are to protect and keep the thing that God given to me gave to me going forward in His name. Amen. I don't want to break my body down. I wouldn't be any use to myself. I wouldn't be any use to the kingdom. I wouldn't be any use to anyone else around me. So I, 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 I value that the, 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 the flesh that God gave to me. Amen. Praise God. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Don't be, abuse yourself. Don't abuse drugs. Don't abuse alcohol. Don't abuse smoking. It's detrimental. You know, you want to live as long as you can and as healthy as you can. Uh, it's, you're, not, uh, you're not much use to anybody if you're confined and your brain is active and you want to do something, but you can't do it because you can't move forward. You know, take care of yourself. Amen. I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you as a pastor, do as much as you can while you can. Don't wait to say, well, when I get to this age, I know that I'll, I'll have more freedom. You know, my wife and I are talking about uh, we're going to be empty nesters this year. That's kind of an odd thought. Seeing that I have had a child in my house, well, for 28 years, has it been? Since 93. Well, and uh, so it's been in that very active house. And I told her, I said, well, it's going to be you and me again. <laughs> you know, we were once just you and me, and then we got these four kids, and our life revolved around working for God and raising them, but now it's going to be you and me. And I said, woo-wee, what are we going to do now, baby? <laughs> That's right. It's going to be the second honeymoon, amen? She's real cute. Kiss is pretty good, too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's all right. I got papers to say we've been together for the last 31 years, so I guess I can say that to her, can't I? <laughs> Amen? Amen. She knows I love her, and she loves me, and we're doing the work of God. Amen? Uh, we, and I told the Lord, and this is why I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm going to be 60 this year, and, and I'm not nervous, I'm not 
uh, in fear and trepidation about it. I said, but I know that I have a few more years of strength. I want to make the right decision, Lord. I, I want to make wise decisions. So I started praying and, and I started talking to the Lord. And I got to looking at the book of uh, Proverbs, if you'd like to turn your Bibles there with me. And the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, is so very eye-opening. Proverbs, this wonderful book that gives us some great wisdom. And so I started reading from the, the first, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter of the book of Proverbs. And verse 20 says, wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. Now, this is not an actual woman, but the writer is using a literary device, speaking as a woman that wisdom is feminine. And he says, how long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn ye, you, at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. So I, I thought about that verse right there just very carefully. And I thought, that sounds very, very familiar to me. <laughs> you know, you talk about pouring out the spirit. I'm a Pentecostal preacher. You know, you talk about pouring out. That's talking about the Holy Ghost. And so I, I got to thinking about Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 and verse 17 said he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. And I started to get excited there. I thought the wisdom of the Lord is going to anoint the, my, my mind and give me understanding. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says that when you receive the Holy Ghost, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. The Holy Ghost is not just to give you a good feeling. It's not just to give you goosebumps up and down your spine. It's not just so you can say, well, I've got the experience. But the Holy Spirit that is inside of you gives you wisdom it leads you it guides you into all truth and I thought oh Lord there's my answer there is the key and so I got to reading a little bit further I read a little bit longer and here in this first chapter and verse 20, 12, 20 said wisdom crieth in the streets and then he said at verse 23 I will pour out my spirit unto you I will make known my words unto you because I called and you refused. And then it switches here. The meter of the word switches. It goes from you, I'm reaching for you. But then it says, I've reached for you and you refuse. That's what I'm talking about this morning. Don't refuse the voice of the Lord. Don't refuse to hear the Spirit of God. Don't refuse His leading and His direction. Allow Him to lead you. Allow Him to push you along. Get rid of the worldly pipe dreams. What you're going to do and say God not my will but thy will be done the call that God gave to you when you were a child the call that God gave to you when you were 21 years old and you were found yourself at an old fashioned altar that's the voice that you should listen to why sit around a little sleep a little slumbering and, and, think, and God will come and you will not be ready you will have not 
done what you've wanted to do. There will be a moment of regret. You will look at yourself in the mirror and think, there's lines on my face. There's wrinkles. And I've gained weight in my face. And I have not done the things that I've wanted to do. I live in regret. But if you will follow the voice of the Lord, if you will follow His Spirit, if you will hear His guiding voice in your life, that Spirit that He pours out on all flesh, Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the Lord said he would give you in the second chapter of that same book. He said in verse 4, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. The Lord will give you wisdom. The Lord will give you understanding. The Lord will give you direction. I'll tell you what, those who trust on the Lord are going to come out of this pandemic unscathed and with the right mind. I'm not saying that you won't get the virus. I'm not saying that you won't get sick. What I am saying is that you will come out on the other side. I, you know, brothers and sisters, we're going to die someday. I'm, I'm, rather, I'm willing to die in the church than die outside of the church. Amen? He, he giveth wisdom, and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. He preserves the way of his saints. I want to make a right decision. Wisdom in our hearts and wisdom in our mind. Wisdom is justified of her children. In other words, uh, this little idiom is saying uh, the decisions that I've made. Uh, God sent you John the Baptist and you rejected him and said uh, uh, he, he, you know, he's, he's kind of a strange bird. Uh, and the Lord sent you the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and you said he was a wine-bibber uh, and he was gluttonous. Uh, I'm not sure who you want. Uh, God can send you all kinds of prophets. Uh, he can send you all kinds of voices. Uh, and you're still yet looking. But when you hear the voice of the Lord, he said wisdom is justified of her children. In other words, decisions that you make today, if you make them in the right vein, if you do what God tells you to do, he will vindict you in the end. What I'm saying is God will show you that you made the right decision when all around was looking wrong. When other people were saying you need to do this, you said, no, this is what God is telling me to do. This is what the Word of God says for me to live. And this is how I'm going to live. Wisdom is justified in the results because of the decision and the actions that you made. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 90, when I'm at the graveside, is usually when I read this. And I say, where do I want to be when I'm 70? What do I want to be known for? 
If I would say a few names to you, there would either be applause and reverence or revulsion. Because those individuals are known for one, maybe two things. Where have I seen God at work in my life? I'm trying to wake people up. They're sad at that moment and they're, they're vulnerable and they're open to hear godly counsel. And I'm saying, hey, where are you right now? Where do you want to be? What do you want to be known for? What am I most thankful for? Where have I seen beauty this week? Where have I experienced or am currently experiencing joy in my life? The Bible says that the, there's joy in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. In His presence is fullness of joy at His right hand. Our pleasures forevermore. Amen. Oh, today, this morning, I want to get you so excited about what you can do for God and what God can do for you. He said, well, I, I find myself in an impossible situation. I find myself in a distasteful job. I just find myself in a distasteful situation. We could all commiserate with the unfortunate circumstances that we find ourselves in whether of our own doing or someone else thrust it on us. We could all sit around and we could have a pity party and we could hand out handkerchiefs and we could have, hand out crying towels and, and people, we could cry and tell our woeful story and they would be sad, I'm sure. And, and uh, we would all leave in fear and doubt and unbelief, thinking, woe is me. <laughs> and uh, no one loves me, no one cares. But I, I'm here to tell you that if you will set your sights on Jesus, no matter the circumstances that you find yourself in, no matter what someone has done to you, no matter what you have done to yourself if you will focus on the Lord Jesus Christ if you will say right where I am I'm going to have church right where I am I'm going to live for God right where I am no matter my health no matter my finances, uh, no matter my family, uh, no matter my church. You see, I look at Hannah many times. I look at that woman, and there are all kinds of things. You read the book of 1 Samuel, all things, kinds of things going on in the church. Uh, but she went to the church, uh, and God gave her a revelation. So I started this story out today. These two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And the Bible says that Jesus joined them. He caught up with him. I'd done a little Googling and tried to figure out how far Emmaus was. And I found that Emmaus is 17 miles from Jerusalem. That's a, that's a sizable distance. How, how many has walked 17 miles in one day recently? Nobody here. But you know, that was a common occurrence. That was common. Very few, no one owned a vehicle. <laughs> and, no one, and very few people owned a wagon or even a horse. It was just, you, you wanted to get somewhere, you had to walk. So 17 miles. And so I thought, 17 miles? Wow. That's a long way to my 21st century mind. I'm thinking, that's, that's going to Centerville and back a couple times. <laughs> Centerville is what, five miles from the, the city limits of Richmond? 
six, okay. So there and back's 12 miles. And halfway there again. So you see. And so I thought, how long would that take them? So I figured out it's, it's about five hours and 40 minutes if you're walking at a relaxed pace. And it, it dropped down to about three hours, and I think it was, if I remember, remember correctly, three hours and 17 minutes if you were walking at a, a, um, just a regular pace. You know, you, you had an intention of getting there. And then if you were walking really quick, you know, you, you had some things to do, it, it, it was even less. And the Bible says that uh, Jesus talked with them and reasoned with them as they were on their way. And I can imagine they were sometimes would walk fast and maybe he said something to them that caused, caused them to pause and think and maybe they slowed down a little bit. So we're saying six hours, maybe six hours and a half, whatever. So it finally, they got there. Whew. I don't know that we'd be war plumb out, most of us. We're wore out to go out from the, uh, we leave Walmart, get out, can't find the car, and walk around the parking lot. We're breathing hard. <laughs> Come on now. And so they finally get to the place. They don't just collapse in the bed. They make dinner. And the Bible says they're making dinner, and they sit down, and Jesus sits down. And first of all, Jesus was, they didn't know it was Jesus. They, they, the, the Scripture says they weren't unaware. They didn't recognize him. And, and uh, he was going to, he said uh, he had someplace else to go. They said, oh, please stay with us. You know, it's getting almost dark. It's getting dusk. It's about 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, it'll be dark soon. I don't know where you're going, but I don't know where you're staying. They didn't have, the, uh, you know, a, a motel to stay at, most likely. And so... You'd have to stay outside, and you want you to stay with us. You know, we have an extra place here. And so he, he agrees, and he's inside, and they're, they've made dinner, and he's sitting there, and he's talking to them. And now they're eating, so they're a little bit more focused, and they're relaxed, and they're looking at him, and they're listening. And he starts revealing revelation. You know, our problem is that we have no revelation. He was on the journey and they were all they could talk about. Did you know Jesus? He did. He was a great man. He did mighty things. He did wonderful things. But uh, you know, he's gone now, and our life is over. And and it's uh, you know, uh, and so they were downhearted, and they were thinking about giving up, and they were thinking about quitting. But Jesus joined them there that day. And as he's talking to them across the, the table, suddenly their eyes were open and they realized this is Jesus sitting at the table. And it was at that moment that, that Jesus vanished from the sight. You see, Jesus, once he gives you what he needs to give you and you receive it, he doesn't hang around. It's time for you to take over. It's time for you to say, I've got it. It's time for you to say, I have the revelation. It's time for you to say, I don't need to be held, my hand to be held. I can do it on my own with Jesus help with the revelation the Bible says they got they cleared the table or they left the dishes on the table on the sink whatever they I don't think they stood around That's, the scripture says they hurried back to Jerusalem the scripture used the word hurried so I'm thinking they went very fast so they did it in three hours or less so it was it was, uh, it was getting pretty dark so in nine hours in one day they walked 32 miles. Whew. Why? Because a revelation got a hold of them. You see, you'll do the same thing that you've always done. You'll hang out. 
You'll hang out around church. You know, I've grown up in church too. I'm a preacher, son of a preacher. My grandmother went to this church. So I know all about Pentecost. You ask me about preachers, I know preachers. If you're a plumber, I don't know very much about plumbing. But if your father was a plumber and your grandfather was a plumber, I'd say you know a lot about plumbing or electrician or whatever uh, skill or trade that you have. But I do know a thing or two about church, and I know a thing or two about preachers. I know about church people. But you can hang around for the rest of your days and wish that things would be different. But when it, they won't be different until you get a revelation of Jesus Christ. Until you get a revelation of who He is. And suddenly, you'll come alive and you've walked 17 miles already it won't matter I'll walk another 17 miles why because I have a revelation of who Jesus is I found a purpose for my life the wisdom that God gives will light you on fire amen tell them we're busy revelation that God gives that revelation will change you remake you and you will look at your circumstances different they, they were so excited Sister Karma they had to get back to Jerusalem before they were ready to relieve, leave Jerusalem they didn't want to see anybody hey you're in the same boat we are we lost Jesus now it's done and we thought the great things were going to happen and he's gone and now here we are that's back to the old humdrum but you know what they did? They had to get back. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? We saw Jesus. I didn't believe Peter before when I heard a rumor that Peter had seen him. I didn't believe that John had seen him. The Bible says that John outran Peter. They were going, and John got the revelation. He's, he's alive. He's alive. Let me, go, let me go see the place where he was buried. Because I saw him on the cross and I know he couldn't be alive then. But now he is alive because Mary and Magdalene, the one who had seven de demons cast out of her, she's the very first one to see the Jesus, the Lord alive. And she said, I have seen the Lord and he is alive. At first they looked at her like, really now? And she said, no, 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 no. I, I'm okay. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not delusional. No, there's nothing wrong. You know, okay. I saw Jesus. I saw the Lord. And so Peter and John, the rest of the disciples were still in unbelief. Peter and John said, okay. You remember, they, were out, they had seen the Lord in the transfiguration on the mountain. They had seen him when he, was, he had changed. The Bible says his countenance, his face glowed. His whole, his whole body, all his clothes glowed. And they, the Bible says that the light was so bright that they fell on their faces. Peter, James, and John. And finally, at the very end, they saw Elijah, Elijah and Moses. And, and Peter got bold enough. He peeked up every now and again, you know, because... I want to see what's going on. And finally he got bold enough and he said, Hey, this is awesome, Lord. This is wonderful. This is amazing. This is great. Uh, uh, let's make three temples. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And we'll just come up here for the rest of our days and worship and shout around this revelation. But Jesus said, Oh, now you've seen. Now you know something is happening. Oh, hallelujah. This is the first Sunday of 2021. Don't you know that God is doing something great in our lives? 
lives. They got back there to Jerusalem. And they told everybody, hey, we have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. So we ask you to pray for this 30 days. I hope it's not just your marking time. You're going through the motion. It's something that you know you do. You need to do. It's a discipline. I'm a Christian now. I'm a believer now. I have to do these things. Oh, no. If that's the way you're going to do it, just don't do it, please. <laughs> Amen. If you're going to read the Bible like, I have to read this, just don't do it. Just yeah, make yourself comfortable. But if you really want to get something, if you really want to go some, you know, I've seen guys that they're all buff. I'm not, you know, look at me. I'm, I'm buff. I've seen guys that are all muscular and they walk around. You know, they have a plan to be that way. It didn't just pop on their arms or on their chest. You know, it didn't just say abracadabra on there. They're all buff. They've had to have a plan to look that way. Amen. You have to have a plan. Is this what, oh God, you, you want me to do? Is this, oh, hallelujah, I want more. I want more. And when you, when you get the right vein, I'm coming to a close, I promise. When you get to the right place and when you get to the right area, when you, get, when you finally discover the revelation of Jesus Christ, don't get fascinated with something else. Don't get off on a tangent over here. Keep on keeping on. Amen. Get your eyes fixed. Like David said, my heart is set like a flint toward heaven. Hallelujah. Jesus is in my eyesight and what he wants me to do and what he has called me to do. I'm not try- over here trying to be this. I'm not over here trying to be that. I'm not, I'm not trying to be something that God didn't call me to be. I'm going to do what he called me to be and I do it the best of my ability and God will anoint it. Stand to your feet if you would, please. Wisdom is justified of her children. Teach us to realize the brevity of life. It's so brief. Peter said it like this. Life is but a vapor. And we know that very well around here. We know that cool weather is coming when we go outside and we can... The condensation from our breath, you see it just for a moment. And then it is vanished. That's our lives. That's our lives. Now, I want to have an altar call this morning. But I I don't want you to come weeping and crying. I want you to come saying, God, I'm determined. I'm determined. I'm determined to do something. I want to forget those things which are behind. You know, God used a murderer. His name was Saul. He killed people. He was a bad guy. Really was. But God struck him down and gave him a revelation on the road to Damascus. He had letters in his hand to kill people. And he was going to do it. But when God struck him down, it changed his life. The Bible says he prayed and fasted for three days. He didn't do anything. He said, oh God, what do you want me to do? Because while he was laying there on the road, he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Isn't it difficult for you? I've been calling you. That day that you watched the man named Stephen be stoned to death. What a horrible way to die. You watched. And don't you know 
that that recording played over and over and over in his mind. He couldn't get rid of it. He couldn't get rid of it. He'd wake up in, the, in a cold sweat. And the Lord would be talking to him. He said, isn't, isn't it difficult for you to push back against the presence of God that's calling you? God is calling someone this morning. God is calling you. I want you to see that God is calling you. Please don't turn away. Please, please hear the voice of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Sing, Sister Carmela, please.